So this past week, a man walks into St. Sebastian and announces, faith does absolutely nothing for me. Faith does absolutely nothing for me. And I thought that was interesting because it seemed to me that among the many things that faith was doing for him at that exact moment, it was providing him a place to go and someone with whom he could express his displeasure and disappointment. It's an interesting notion, however, that faith should do something for you, as if it owes you, almost as if it will do something for you in spite of you. I'm here. What are you going to do? Wow me. I'm ready, God. And faith doesn't work like that, most of the time anyway. Faith isn't something that acts on you. It's something that works with you. It's not unlike the Christian understanding of love. Now, culturally, there is a belief that love is almost something that happens to you. Ask most people what love is, and they will give you a brilliant description of the positive emotions that they receive from someone. Others will describe attachments, and sometimes even unknowingly, addictions. But few will be able to define love, at least not as God, who is not only the source of love, but is love itself, would define it. Scripturally, love is the willed good of the other, to act in the best interest of the other, not necessarily what they want, but for their good, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And that's how God can make love a commandment. You can't command emotions. Now, emotions are important. They tell us something's important going on in our lives, and we need to pay attention and act rationally. So if my emotions tell me I am so angry at my, at my spouse, at my child, at my boss, at my neighbor, my intellect will then say, okay, how are you going to handle this in a loving manner? Also, one cannot command attachments or addictions. And those are things that can happen to you in spite of you. But true love is different. And it is risky. And it's not always fun or easy. But it is the only fulfilling and lasting love. I look out at you in wonder and think how much you have risked in love. I had a couple weddings this past week. I have one of our newly married couples from yesterday here with us at Mass today as they prepare to uh, start celebrating their marriage together. And I, when I get couples that come in and uh, are preparing for marriage, I love to ask them, how did the engagement take place? Because it's never an easy story. There's, there's always some uh, a large uh, production that goes on. I told uh, another couple yesterday, I'll tell this couple's today, how they went on a hike in the woods with the dog. And he says to her, I, uh, I taught the dog a new trick. She stops and turns around and goes, oh, really? So now, got her attention, and he kneels down next to the dog as if the dog is going to do something. It was all a ruse. And he pulls out a ring, 
which unfortunately the dog thought was a snack because this was all a ruse. But, and he asked the question of his potential fiancée that men have asked women for centuries. Will you allow me to take a public perpetual vow to love you for the rest of my life? I have decided that I will love you not only during these good times, but have decided to dedicate myself to loving you when things are bad. Whether we are both healthy or if one or both of us become ill, I want to love you and honor you for as long as I live. Not if I feel like it or that I have to because I'm addicted to you or even that I will just do it for as long as and as much as you do it for me. I simply choose your good spiritually, mentally, and physically, for life. And I choose this publicly. Talk about a risk. And not only a risk, it's difficult work. It's non-ending work. When love is really about me and what I feel, when the other person's warts are exposed, and they will be, the foundations of that love wash away like sand in the rain. But as Rocco Badaglioni says, only the value of the other person can sustain a relationship. When love reaches the value of the person, which is in some ways stable and infinite, then love can last forever. Therefore, I love you not what I love about myself or what I can get from you for myself. The wicked and lazy slave in today's gospel didn't want to risk or to have a difficult task, whether we see this parable literally as the talent is, is, is literally the talent, or more importantly, if we see that talent is faith or love. True faith and love was too much to ask of him. He was afraid, afraid of giving himself to anybody, risking anything, even to God. Afraid that in giving away love, he's going to lose it and end up alone, which is in reality what he set himself up for. He wanted love to be like a cold, something that happens to you as effortly as picking up a germ or like burying it in the ground and forgetting about it fearing the sacrifice and the hard work and the self-donation. And so he frees himself from responsibility, from risk and worry. But can you imagine what it would be like to be in a ballroom of these people for eternity? Everybody standing around with their arms crossed, waiting for someone else to be the first one to reach out and love them. That's a definition of hell. It leads C.S. Lewis to this saying. It's a marvelous paragraph. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. 
Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbances of love is hell. And what we're celebrating today is the Father, your Father, took a marvelous risk with you. He created you and gave you the free will to love him fully or to hate him, to have faith in him or to deny him. Either way, still he dies for you and holds out endless mercy and love and today will even become so vulnerable to you that he will give himself to you body and blood, soul and divinity to be brought inside of you. He gives you the ability, the capacity, and the opportunity to forgive, to have faith, and to love in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love and honor all the days of your life. And so we come to that foreboding line in the gospel. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance but from those who have nothing, even what they think they have will be taken away. That is why when the master returns, he's not pleased that his servant simply buried what was given to him. Love that is buried or faith that is buried might well not exist at all. But to those of you who love and have faith even during trial... When we do that, we stretch our hearts and we make them bigger. And the more God is able to give you for true love and true faith, build on true love and true faith.